action and welcome everybody this is bmp weekly episode 226 it is 13th of november 2024 my name is cesar Jovanen, and with me as a co-host here is waldek mastercards 2024 2024 2023 <laughs> <laughs> pretty good back to the future there you go there you go today you learn we are in 2024 uh, what has changed vesa um <laughs> hmm, interesting <laughs> <laughs> one of the years you know it's a year <laughs> it's it's a year it's okay a so, monday it's, it's a monday. monday it is a monday by the way now uh in the pmp week they always talk about the latest microsoft 365 and and our partner uh stuff like the power platform and azure and all of that and github uh, everything else and we try to cover also all of the tweets and content what people are doing with the hashtag pmp weekly which unfortunately nothing this week no <laughs> i think we're looking we're looking in the wrong place i think we're looking in the wrong place i i do agree on that so uh, we need to do... there you go <laughs> yeah yes that is true uh anyway this week uh we do have a visitor like typically uh, who's mike madarani who's mike Waldeck. mike is in the mvp he is from canada um and he told us some cool stuff about his career a recent trip that he's done um yep. and places he he visited. So, so I think without further ado, how about we jump to the interview because it's really, really interesting. Sounds good. Let's jump there. Excellent. So let's get started. So welcome, Mike, on the BMP uh, Weekly. Uh, good to have you on the call. This took a while for us to get scheduled, right? <laughs> it did. Well, everyone's busy with, with travel and busy days and work and conferences yep. and everything else. Yes. But thank you for having me here. It's, it's an honor to be on the show. Absolutely, good, good to have you on our show, um, and, go, and and of course you have your own uh, podcast show and everything else. We'll talk about that one uh, during the discussion uh, as well. But Mike, can you do a quick intro? Who are you, and what do you do for a living? Yes, uh, Mike Morarani. I am a Microsoft MVP in the Office Apps and Services. I've been an MVP for nine years, going on ten right now. Um, been around in IT for more than 25 years, but most of my professional career has been with, with the Microsoft world. It started in 2001 with SharePoint, SharePoint 2001. I I feel old, so it's uh, <laughs> over a couple of decades. Uh, yes, yes. I, I, I think, of... by the way, the MVP category isn't that now Microsoft 365, so we simplified. It's it's no that's longer right. apps and services, so that's right, that's that's right. confusing. <laughs> so. That's very, very correct. So, uh, yeah, so 2001 is SharePoint. I, just, I kept doing SharePoint, and back then, CMS 2002, back in the days, uh, all the way to the cloud. Uh, that's all I do is I focus much on the collaboration space in the uh, in M365, uh, SharePoint Teams, OneDrive, that's a bit on the on the power platform that complement the M365 world. Yeah, yeah, it, and and it's oh, definitely the best to get a uh, better to get a story with power platform and Microsoft 365. Um, it, so. Exactly, exactly. Now, how do you can you kind of do a kind of a, how do you feel about the transition from 2001 to this moment where the cloud is taking over everything and then the AI is coming and yeah. You know, no. um, <laughs> It's it's a different world, tell you one thing. It was back in the days when two thousand and one was not pretty to tell you this. It was it was it yeah. was difficult to work with. Two thousand and three came a bit a little bit more flexibility and then in two thousand and seven that's basically when, as we all know, the uh, the SharePoint took off. Uh, slowly, gradually going into the cloud, uh, like anything else, including myself, when when we went into B pause before 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 Office three sixty five, I'm like, ah, 
not sure about that. And then Office 365 came along in 2011. Also, like anyone else, you resist the change. I'm like, I don't know if I want to really use SharePoint Online or whatever. And sure. then sure. it took a few months, even though I built the first beta portal in Canada on Office 365, I was still hesitant about using everything in the cloud. Yeah. Uh, but when you start realizing the benefits and all the features that we get, uh, it has been awesome, awesome transition and a uh, lot of new, as everyone knows, uh, we get always updates and new features and things, sure. and AI is happening now and co-pilot. It is exciting and scary at the same time. Sure. So it, it's, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know about you, right? But like, like when I think back about BPOS and and Office Office sixty five uh, coming out, the first thing that I saw was like, what are the things I I I cannot do? And I was like, yeah, I cannot exactly, do this. Exactly so the same it comment coming up. Seemed yes. limiting. It's like I cannot do <laughs> yes. this. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. So like, yeah. and I think somewhere along the way, it caught on. And then yeah. it it would it would exceed Leap everything that we could forward. do yeah, exactly. do on prem. But but that yeah. took a while. And and I recall very much, you know, the first thing was like, yeah, that's cool. But there's just a pile of stuff we we cannot do. I wonder if that was exactly the same for or for you. Oh, it was exactly the same. I'm like, what do you mean? I cannot deploy WSP. I need to deploy a WSP. I need to go and create my own solutions. I need to meet. I need my code. Control. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then you resist that. I'm like, I, I used to always compare and say, oh, well, I thought I can't do this. Guess what? I can do it with SharePoint 2013, right? So, and then slowly you realize, I'm like, actually, this is a good thing. I love that I don't have to deploy the WSP. I, I love that I don't have to control those codes and then go through the, the mess of deploying to multiple farms and troubleshoot why it's Correct. not working. Correct. Um, yeah. uh, so once you get over that hurdle of, Oh, it's much nicer. Yeah, and, and also around that habits. time, I mean, like when when we went to the cloud, it was like the the idea of remote code was that was brand new, and there was right. this weird yes. thing with mm -hmm. the Silverlight portal called Azure, and it was like it's like Windows, <laughs> but it's not Windows, but it's like Windows, and it's OS. Yeah, it was Windows Azure at the time. Right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. but like exactly. nobody could really <laughs> grasp like what it was exactly, and everybody was like. What can I use this for? And then the remote code, like there were no APIs. Like CSAM was really in its in its infancy still, right? Sure. So all the things like you know, I want to be able to do that. Well, you can, or you need to do like I think at some point we even had the like the idea of proxies in sandbox, like that. Yes, weird, yes. weird thing. Yeah, like we 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 resist change and same similar in SharePoint Online when when we did the rearchitecture of into modern SharePoint, and I'm like. I can't have subsites, and every site is a site collection. I really don't like that. And then you dig into it more. I'm like, oh no, it's really a good thing. It's really, really <laughs> good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but it is actually interesting when I think about it. Back at some some moment of a time, there was this moment where everybody still had their on-premises data centers, mm -hmm. computers, and servers. And now what we're seeing is that more and more companies are natively cloud. So there is no need. Correct. to have that massive IT investments anymore within on-prem, uh, unless there's some legacy you know, applications which haven't been moved over. Uh, but it's an interesting transition within, let's say, 10 years, roughly. Well, 10 years is pretty okay. And mm -hmm. uh, to say five to 10 years, when it's all of a sudden we're in this, why wouldn't it be in the cloud? Are you crazy? Cloud, of course, because nothing else is a viable option. So Yeah, yeah and, and the mind had shifted. Like, I don't do any on-prem projects anymore. Yeah, so four or five years ago, let's say I've stopped doing on-prem. Everything is the only on-prem I do when I do a migration project, and I do a lot of migration projects still. Um, yeah. That's the only time I touch on-prem. 
Wow. So when you now, look at, at online, <laughs> how I was first. How yeah. did your work change? Because I can imagine like doing work on-prem was different. Like you had different tools available to you, different way to extend things that, that you don't have a, a, a available online. But again, online, you have things that you don't have available on-prem. So how has your work changed with the advent of online and doing more uh, work in the cloud? Yeah, I've always been an advocate of staying out of the box as much as possible. Like I was always against customization unless you have to. The only... Well, we've done a lot of custom solutions. We've done master pages. I've done a lot of publishing intranet sites with, with on-prem. Uh, and you have to go through the custom master pages, everything else. Yeah. Uh, going online, because I was a big advocate of out of the box, as less you have, you have to do something custom. It was a really easy, well, once I my mind adopted the cloud, yeah. it was an easy way for me to work in the cloud without the need to do a lot of customizations or Technically, I do 99% of all the deployment without any customizations. Uh, whether if I get into the need to pull something from GitHub or just a small, spin a small web part here and there, but uh, it would be one in maybe 500 deployments that I do anything custom. So Well, but that also means that the product evolves over time and that it's correct. good enough, right? Yeah. Because in, in the past, I can yeah. imagine, well, there was bigger need. So is that need gone or... Has like have we collectively became you know less de demanding? I think a couple of things. One is the need is the, uh, the 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 product is mature enough to offer a lot of things that we don't need to customize. I would say yeah. that's the case. I would say up to ninety percent. And the mind had shifted as well that well in the cloud. Guess what? Let's let's see what Microsoft is gonna bring. Let's not spend the time and money and see if this feature if uh, if if it's gonna be available or. Why spend the time and money to make it a bit, to make it the way we want it, rather than just shift the requirements a tiny bit so we can use out of the box? Yeah. Now on that topic, though, if we think about partner ecosystem and the stuff what you do, that has also meant that you've changed because you don't do extensibility, you don't do modifications, and and then the Who business the has cheese? evolved. Uh, you moved the yeah, we as a Microsoft we moved the cheese to kind of a focus on well, different the customers things. too, right? Because in and a way the customer, they want to absolutely, align absolutely. with yeah, that's yeah. where the the demand is coming from. How do you see the the you know the workload shifting? Uh, you've been advocating the no code that much even before. But uh, is it less work? Is it more work uh, on a partner opportunity? So how do you see the partner opportunities uh, section to evolve? It's, it's still, even though I think we, it is very mature, we've been around for a while uh, from the Microsoft and Microsoft ecosystem. Um, you'd be surprised from a client perspective, uh, there's still always the need for us as consultants to go and guide them on how to do things, how to do things yeah. the best way. So I do a lot of roadmaps. I do a lot of roadmaps to the cloud. Uh, even though we've been in, in, in Office 365 and 365 since 2011, there is still a lot of lack of knowledge from the client perspective and fear how to do things in the cloud. So what I do is a lot of adoption, a lot of roadmap, a lot of guidance, uh, promotions of the uh, citizen developers, promotions of Power Platform with the governance around it. So this is basically have been all of my work uh, plus, there's a lot of merger and acquisitions that happens in the world. So I do sure. a lot of tenant-to-tenant -tenant migration. So this is, yeah. has been going full stream for the past few years as well. So, so hand-holding is still there. You mentioned a bunch of stuff. You mentioned Power Platform. You mentioned you know all the features you've got on Microsoft 365. It's a lot. 
how do you how how do you how does Mike stay on top of all of that? Oh boy. <laughs> how much time do we have, right? <laughs> 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, it's, uh, you know, things always evolve. So we, uh, being part of the MVP program helps a lot. So to stay on top, to get the early news and the, uh, the, uh, the changes, um, we can do as, you can't do everything. You, you, you have, you, you will, you will fall behind at some point and you catch up at, at, at later on. So the way I look at it is when there is a new feature, uh, that, uh, when I have time, and typically sometimes it takes a month or two before I go and start trying out the new feature is just get either if I have it in my MVP tenant uh, or try to get it into a different tenant or try things myself. But uh, talking to the product group, being on the calls, uh, following the um, the updates online sometimes, you, don't, you won't be able to attend every call uh, and that's pretty much impossible to do it. Uh, and then talking to, to peers, other MVPs will, will share information. I'm like, oh, yeah, I missed that update, actually. I'm going to have to go try it out. So it's a lot of channels, a lot of different places to go and get uh, stay up to date. Uh, we do our best, uh, but there's only 24 hours a day. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Unless you travel, you know, super fast on certain direction. No, never mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, tra tra traveling. travel, right? That's great, great segue. <laughs> See what you did there, Vesa. <laughs> now, uh, pretty recently, Mike, you, you did a interesting Asia tournament related on community and and actually right. teaching other people uh, on the on the what can be done in the Microsoft 365 and Power Platform and Microsoft Cloud. Uh, can you talk about a bit about what was that all about? Yes. Yeah, so I just came back from a from a tour. Um, I being an MVP um, for, for a while, almost a decade. I love, love the community. I'm always involved in the community, whether I'm speaking or organizing events. But recently, um, I did a trip, uh, a tour to Southeast Asia. It was uh, an AMS event, a sequence of events that started in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, then Singapore, and then Manila and the Philippines. Uh, so it was 10 days of going from one city to another and speaking at events, at those three different events. Uh, and I did not know actually what to expect. Uh, it was amazing. The audience were so great. The turnout was awesome. Um, did, I, like I said, I went there preparing for my session, but never been into, into any of these countries or Southeast Asia as well. Uh, so I did not have any expectations. Uh, I had, I'm not saying I had high or low expectations. I, I did not know what to expect. I talked to people and said, yes, they, they love uh, international speakers. They love to bring people from outside of the countries to to hear them. Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter how much they prepare you. It was I was blown away with uh, the amount of interactions uh, and how much they are eager to learn. So uh, it was an amazing trip. I'm glad that I did it and uh, I might do it again. And it's this time of the year when it's great to travel away from Canada as well, right? So exactly, <laughs> so and it's the same it's thing. It's unsteading. So yeah. <laughs> the one thing I want to ask, I'm curious, right? Like. Are there, like, if you would have to name, like, let's say three differences between folks you get to interact with in the US and Canada, in Europe, and there, what are the, what would be the three, three differences that, that you would say? Like you mentioned one, eagerness to learn. Is that one of the, the biggest one? Uh, I say, yes, it is one of the actual differences. I'm not saying in the US, Canada, or Europe, which is presented in the, in the three different places, uh, they're not. Uh, 
but there has been a commitment. So the draw. So when you are doing a, a free community event, you always expect fifty to sixty percent no show. Yep. In that case, it was not. It was the the attendance rate was much higher. So they really committed to come and 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 see the speakers, um, and then the interaction with the speakers also. Um, so during the non, when you don't present, they come to you. They're not they're not uh, afraid or or intimidated mm -hmm. to just approach you as uh, to ask questions, to know who you are, and very very welcoming. I'm not saying that other audiences are not, but uh, yeah. I appreciated the 30 hours travel into the <laughs> yeah. Home yeah. I, that's um, definitely so, yeah. so that I really appreciated that. Yeah, that's cool. And it's and it's not unfortunately this is one of the things within the world which is large and and there's a these areas are not those areas where we have the large conferences quite often so people do appreciate people showing up. I remember when I've been in Singapore or Kuala Lumpur uh, and few of the other location presenting at, I don't need to remember when where, 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 where have I been anyway uh, so yeah, <laughs> there was pretty recently actually there was a really nice travel uh boarding pass which says sin to hell so yeah. Singapore to Helsinki yes. so yeah it's classic <laughs> so that Mike um you mentioned that you got to talk to some some of these folks you, you probably had a chance also to learn from them about, you know, challenges that they have have in workplace. Are they the same or are they do different? No, it's actually not different than what with challenges uh, that we have in, in our world in North America or in, in Europe is the um, the adoption and how to do things in the best practice way. And um, just the little questions in there, the, the all problems they have. Um, there is no lack of skills, absolutely not. Uh, it's yeah. just basically what's the best way to deploy things, uh, getting a different opinion from and new people uh, on how to do things the, the right way. But um, okay. there's pretty much the same challenges we have here. Is it is the there... same actions so of migration and tenant-to-tenant transition? So basically, we can kind of conclude that within these kind of areas, or at least people who are attending, are in the same technical level uh, from maturity perspective. Um, it depends on the on the city. Um, so uh, in in Malaysia, for example, I've seen people. There's still the cloud adoption is there, but they have a lot of on-prem. So yep. it was it was really good for them to learn the new tools. Uh, I think I presented that one is Microsoft Lists. Uh, so I had like four or five hands. I think I had about 60 or 70 people in the in the audience, but four or five hands have never seen Microsoft List before. They don't know what Microsoft List is. Yeah. Um, so they had they had some new audience. So Singapore was was a little bit more. They had adopted more of the cloud. So they uh, they had they're still doing a lot of migration. So we had even though my session was not about migration, but we talked a lot about migrations and Manila, similar Philippines, similar to Singapore as well. So cloud adoptions. Um, and I did there. I think I did the SharePoint to SharePoint search to to Microsoft search transition. So yep. uh, they were very interested in that. And if you so you mentioned that it's like going there costs a lot of time, right? And it's right. not something that you will probably do every month, I assume. No, no, it's <laughs> right. So did did you have a chance to talk to these folks and hear from from them how we could bridge the gap? How we could connect with them on an ongoing base as opposed to having to be there in person no matter like how cool that it is and kind of not have the bound or the limit you know of uh, a distance 
Yes. So um, like everyone else, uh, they don't mind uh, online events, but they are kind of sick of it, quote unquote, sick of online yeah. events. They, they want to be in person. That's why they had a high attendance. So they would love to have bigger events happening in the region. Uh, I think we did have tickets at some moment correct. of a time and all of that there were big events in the in Asia as well so hopefully we'll get back to that one because those are really good so and super you know you get energy out of yeah. thousands and thousands of people being excited about something right yeah and they mentioned ignite the tour as well like it would be great to have ignite the tour somewhere in the region and then so they it's a short trip for them to go and attend it yeah true true the distances between Singapore Malaysia yeah they're, they're not yeah. massive uh so if you yeah, are not there yeah. unless you are there it's okay but being there for us that's true a, yeah. yeah true exactly, exactly. True. and especially for you right because like for you that's that's additional eight hours or more yes it was it was total flying time alone was 24 hours for me to fly did in, you fly in, actually east or west I flew west you gotta have to fly west, west. and it's even west. then that yes. was even closer like for for me you're going like the whole map but the other way is also like you have big pond yeah, uh, in between, right? <laughs> Just to cross Canada, I need to fly five and a half hours before yeah. I get to Vancouver and then go over the Pacific. So wow, and then you get the weird time zone day difference, and then it's like, which day is it? Right? It threw me off big time. Every time I talk to my wife or my kids, I'm like, what day it is today? There, and it's like this is a twelve hours difference. For me. What Thursday, <laughs> Friday? <laughs> yeah. And when you're flying back, you're arriving on the same day, even though you're traveling a big time. So yeah, so like I left, I left. I think Tokyo. I had a layover in in no, I had a layover in Hong Kong. So I left Hong Kong at six p.m. and arrived in Vancouver at three p.m. on the same day after flying twelve hours. Yeah. So uh, yes. you're doing a full day. You yeah. won three hours. We won exactly. back three hours while well, sitting on a plane for fifteen hours. Yes. Now, wow. if we would actually fly to that direction fast enough. Then you know there would be more than twenty-four hours in a day, right? So correct. Maybe. But flying there, you lose a day. Like there is like That's a true. day in your life that's gone gone. Like but now, if you would fly really fast, another cycle, and then cross the board again, would you go to the previous day? No, just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> oh my! This is getting intriguing. <laughs> Things you learn on PMP Weekly. Yes. Cool. Coming, coming, pick back on a bit back on the on the previous discussion. You talked about the migration. So, what's your kind of a hunch level? How much of the migrations do we have left? Uh, you know, on-prem to cloud migration versus migration within the cloud. So, how do you see the the ratio there? It's about not more than twenty five percent of my migration world is from yeah. on-prem. Okay. I'm still I'm still doing some on-prem migrations, but most of migrations have been, I would say, 70, 75 percent is cloud to cloud. Whether it's M three sixty five to M three sixty five, or whether other document management system into M three sixty five. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people have gone into the cloud already, uh, but uh, merger and acquisitions keeps me uh, very very busy as well. So yeah. I keep a tab how much I migrated. So, so far I'm close to 500 terabytes of, of data migrations only on SharePoint. Cool. So, wow. <laughs> and if you look like for, between the folks who go from on-prem to the cloud and folks who are already in a cloud and do M&A, yeah. are challenges between those the same? Like, do they have the same ish or ch ch challenges to migrate or are there different things? Because again, they're coming from on-prem and they have different kind of things. 
Uh, it's a lot of different challenges, definitely. Um, from uh, M365 to M365, the only, your only challenge is basically the URL has changed if you had any hard-coded uh, URL that is going to break uh, because eventually your old tenant will go away. Uh, on and the directories side, and accounts and users yeah. and permissions and ADFs, but yeah. who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teams has a lot of challenges when you when you change tenant, then you migrate as well. Um, but again, that's uh, that's an API related my, uh, challenges. But when we go from on prem, it's very different because most of the migrations does not happen like from 2019. Does not happen from from a SharePoint site that you have. It's a modern, right? It's uh, it's still classic. Yeah. Uh, so when you go from a classic architecture to a modern flat architecture and you have to bring everything to the modern world, that is a lot of challenges. So a specific way that I have taken an approach to do the migration to minimize the technical issues you're going to have after the migration. Because if you don't, if you don't do it in a specific way, you're going to end up with a lot of technical issues. Permissions is one of them. Uh, loading the actual site pages is a different one. So there's few few challenges that you can run into it. But also, I would I always say that 75 to 80 percent of your migration is about analysis and planning, and the 20 yeah. percent is the migration, yeah. because you're yeah. gonna have to go and study what the source migration is and how what kind of challenges. Which of these? What of the data is actually being used? Can we throw it away? And what are the data what we migrate? And and exactly. and what kind of information is there? Do you have kind of a top tips on on how to prep yourself? For migration what would be the or what would be the most catastrophic you know situations no not one of these again oh my god this is yeah. a headache uh so what you have to run an analysis on the content and what kind of content you have so you need to know the size yeah. of the content the type of the content uh and then if there are any customizations if we're talking from an on-prem if you have any custom solutions or third-party solutions and then how we can replace that and if there are in use as we all know uh, a lot of clients get excited. I used to and then install third-party solutions or custom solutions and then never use it. But yeah. you have to do the analysis and you have to know exactly what's been used. Um, and the analysis is not only on the farm or the tenant or the content or the technical things, it's the analysis on the people as well. If you are mm. dealing with a lot of migrations uh, or the big migrations, uh, then who, what kind of resources do you have? What kind of support How do you, do you have scan? How do you run analysis of people? Uh, you just have to go. Uh, you don't you, definitely you don't use tools for that. PNP people scanner. Yeah. I would love to have that actually. That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, you need to prep. You need to know the project team because when I come in and then have a few people that help me as well. But at the end of the day, we do the actual migration and we move on to a different client. So they need to see that we need to talk to the client. What kind of teams they have? If they are prepped, do they know the cloud? Uh, do they know how do they deal with the cloud? Do they have enough support people into M365? Uh, and then we get them involved from the early days as well. Like who's doing some of the migrations? So you need to know not only what happens during the migration, or basically on support as well and going forward, how you're going to sustain that migration. Yeah. What kind of tooling do you actually then use for the actual migration? What is your code tool? Um, uh, so I, I I do the, from a from a Depends. I have used. Yes, that's I, a consulting have... answer. That's a great answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it depends on the size, the complexity. It depends where it's coming from. Uh, yeah. So I, I've used the shape of migrator uh, before, um, and I've used uh, um, ShareGate as one of them. 
I have used App Point and I've used Quest. So it depends on what the flavor of the, 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 the client they want to do, what kind of migration, where the source is, how complex it is, how often we're going to do it, the size. Um, but uh, those are my go-to tools. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big market share of the available tools. Yeah, and that's pretty yeah. much all of them. There is so. a favorite, <laughs> like everyone has a favorite, but uh, yes, those are what I have done. There's a, a market share or a mic share of, if you want to call it yes. the tools, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. that I use the most. Um, but yeah, those are my, what I've done before. Cool. And now uh, related on that one, I just kind of curious, at the, which of those are those tools taking also the extensibility into account? Because obviously, I we've done a lot of extensibility in the past. So, are they giving you the insights then on analysis on the extensibility, or are they only focusing on the content? No, they they do uh, they do uh, pretty much most of them reporting and PowerShell. Cool. So we do a lot cool. of PowerShell with with those tools, and then basically I use the tools to do the reporting and then writing yep. on PowerShell and token uh, when it runs on a on a big big tenant or big farm. So uh, the reporting is is a key there. Uh, the logs that get you get back is also a key on which tool is does better. Uh, yep. But uh, when you when you when you are dealing with large migration with thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of SharePoint sites or site collections and yep. terabytes of data, you're going to have to rely on on the PowerShell. And that's sometimes the difference it comes between a tool, uh, one tool or the other. Uh, yep. The capability just to be able to feed. The different machines and different migration applications to to stay on top of it and actually excel is my best friend in migration excel now, imagine yeah. only only because you have no chat gpt for your farm i know it would be awesome. <laughs> talk to your farm it would be awesome. talk to your farm talk to your sharepoint farm that's chat good yeah, GPT for resources i like that <laughs> Imagine, imagine you could do that. You would throw like the whole farm logs, content DB, config DB at it, and you'd be like, hey, how many sizes do I have? What are the top, you know, customized or uncustomized size or unused size? And it's like, yeah, exactly. here we go. Here's the list. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the data is there. It might, it might happen. You never know. Well, or by the time it does, it's no yeah. longer needed because everybody moved yeah. online already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what's your take actually on that one? That's kind of an interesting nuance as well. Will we ever see the moment when everything is on online? Or is that a thing which will pass and then we'll start seeing people again investing on data centers? Uh, I don't see I don't see it going back in time. I don't see going back investing more in data centers. Um yep. I think that has gone uh, even if the big big organizations uh, government, financials, banking, any 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 type of verticals that I deal with, there will always be some on-prem. There will always be some integration or this hybrid sure. approach between on-prem and the cloud. But I see a lot of clients also. Well, again, it depends on the size. They move completely to the cloud. Even their AD is in the cloud. They don't have any more. I mean, any more on-prem. Uh, so no, I don't. I don't definitely see the 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 on-prem decreasing much more and more and more. Uh, eventually, maybe they will have their own data. If they have their own data center with a little bit of on-prem, but I think mostly yeah. will be out. I think we it's, are yeah. we are there right now. Yeah, definitely. And I think the number one challenge what we used to have within this is was actually reliable network connectivity to the cloud. And nowadays, yeah. I think most of the world has gone past that threshold so that we're able to basically work completely remotely. Uh, me and Waldek being good, great examples. So I don't I I have access yes. to everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm talking about working remotely and, and you know, <laughs> everything is in the cloud. You're able to access the assets using just remote computers. Well, it's, it's, it's not like you need thing, to have a... Like, I work at home. And if my network would drop, I cannot do anything. I'm religious sure. and I have like a single sure. line home and it's like, no backup, no. That's why you need whatever. to have multiple lines. So see, see, I will have soon three lines just in case. <laughs> yeah, because, yes, because, because one, one is like, what, what was it? One is none and two is, no, what was it? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? So there was, one, there was one this, is... this saying that I think it was coming from even MCM where you would say that you need to have a, at least three machines because like if you replace if one is down and you replace the other oh right? yeah so so you back up like, like one is not yes. and do, like, yeah, there was like an expression around it. i don't know <sighs> oh but yeah, you, to your point I, it happened to me uh i think last summer where i was i was with one provider for everything and it went down and i was i could not reach anyone absolutely yep. nothing yeah yeah uh for yep. one day for 24 hours it was that long and then wow. that triggered that i needed to have a second backup yeah. Well, but that's an interesting thing, right? So now we have with this trend of working at home. Like, if you work in an office, obviously the company has, you know, SLAs on connections and it's a um, business thing. So it's different agreements between the ISP and uh, the employer. But if people work at home, they don't have that. It's not like the employer gets Depends. a business Depends. level line right. for every employee at their house. Sure. So who's, sure. Who, I, who's I do have a business line to my house. So as an example, you're because... different. You're not like 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 everyone else. We know that in, in any in any way, and I mean it in any way, right? But normal people, not Vesa. But imagine that, like what does that mean? Like what does that mean for you know like how we work? And if there's outage. Who's to blame or paying for it, or I don't know. Like, how do any experience I think, there? I think if you look at it, we as an individual, we are really, really small scale. So, if if an individual had an outage, it's not going to impact the entire company. So, do we really need an SLA? How from a from a financial at, at the end, it's a financial, you know, yep. equivalent. What is the how, risk? How much of an impact? Uh, if you're a small business, definitely you're going to have to have an SLA. But if you're an individual working for a company, if you took a day off because of that connectivity issues. Unless you are yeah. on a deliverable, then in the grand scheme of things, yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. Okay, fair, fair yeah, enough. Exactly. But it would be interesting to miss all of the connectivity. That's actually 24 hours without any connectivity. It's actually when you think about it, that would be what would strange. you do? You would <laughs> rake really leaves. Strange. You would rake leaves. I bet <laughs> in Canada as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I ended up going fishing, so I'm like, okay, guys, nothing to do. <laughs> exactly. so let's go fishing. <laughs> yes. There is. Let me check the. I can't check that one. Let me watch TV. No, it doesn't work. Let, I'd read a what? book, but all my books are actually on a Kindle. So <laughs> they're typically downloaded on Kindle. Aren't yeah, they? fair enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Almost like electricity going down. So luckily mm -hmm. that that doesn't happen that often anymore. So yeah. no, no, <laughs> no. I actually cannot imagine. Like I don't recall when was the last time we didn't have power. That was True. a long time. True. Well, it depends on where you're living. Even in, I yeah. think, in depends on. Um, I don't know, Mike, how far you're living from downtown. But in our case, obviously in Finland, I think it's the same in Canada. Electricity lines are actually under under the ground so that they don't freeze. And whenever the fill, if trees are falling, there's no problem with that. But of course, if you're rural, rural, outside of the cities, then it's different. Or you, you live know. on a rock. Or yeah. because, of course, you can live on a rock. Why would you live on a rock? Well, if the ground is if, if 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 it's too much effort to dig. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. Right. Correct. Yeah, where I live, it's it's all underground. 
but uh, yeah. in, that, in my areas underground, eventually there's uh, above ground. And then when we get ice storms, and sometimes now lately we're getting a lot of bad weather during the summertime, so that yeah. will knock out some power lines and then we lose power. It has happened. Wow. I can't remember when I had that. That's interesting. Good point. Good point. Good point. Now, um, how do you see Mike yourself? And, and oh, timing, timing. We cannot go too far on this. One. <laughs> um, how do you now that you've seen this like twenty years of transformation on from on premises transformation to the cloud, being first a bit against cloud because you know it's limited, but then realizing that oh, it's it's much efficient. How do you see this just to move forward within five years? Uh, any any kind of thoughts on how do we see? the working life in five years? Are we going to get back to the office? Uh, are we going to see in-person conferences maybe? Are we... AI. What, what changed? About, AI. About AI. Is AI, is AI yeah. taking over the I mean, office? we only have two minutes, Mike, so you cannot yeah. go one time. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of topics for two minutes. Yes. Um, yes. It depends, I right? I don't, I don't see it going back to the office. Like maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe five to 10%. Just yeah. going back to the office, we've been productive online, so we don't uh, remotely. So the, the need to be in the office is not really a must. Uh, there are some use cases for that. Next five years, AI, we're going to have to, we cannot ignore what, what's happening around the world. Not, uh, cannot uh, ignore the uh, the open AI and the evolution is happening. It is just the tip of the iceberg, not even the tip of the iceberg. It's probably the forecast of the tip of the iceberg here <laughs> in the AI yeah. world. Uh, it is not mature. It's going to mature in the next three years. I think in three years from now, we're going to see a lot of different things in the AI, especially in the M365 world where Copilot is happening. Um, it is going to change how we do things. It is going to increase our productivity. A lot of people are scared of AI that's going to take over the world. Well, uh -huh. it's a good <laughs> argument, but you know, we still control it as long as we are good in what we program and what we develop. I think we are still in, in good hands, in, but it is going to help us tremendously uh, yeah. in, in delivering solutions and delivering uh, co um, higher collaboration between among us and achieving the work much faster. Uh, yeah. Because we know the data is there. All it required that for us to go and gather that data in an efficient manner and present it. True. Um, so True. it's... And I, my classic example being just a, a what is available right now, but we can only imagine where we'll be in three to five years, is that we can actually get this recording, what we're doing right now, and just put it in a, a give it to AI, and it will summarize uh, accurately, accurately, accurately what we went through and what are the key points. We have it in Teams, uh, and Teams Premium has this feature, not within mm -hmm. the what what we're using for recording right now in this case, uh, but oh, still. Yeah, fair, fair, fair enough, fair enough. <clears throat> but it's it's kind of one of those things where, well, that's not making you as an employee not relevant anymore. No, it's increasing your productivity. You do uh -huh. no longer have to go. The, the amount of times I've been listening recordings, which happened 2 a.m. in the morning, my time, and, and the following morning, and it's like, oh my God, I don't have time to listen to all of this stuff just to catch the key things. Um, and then nobody needs to take notes uh, because the AI is taking the notes on behalf of you. So all of that, not relevant work can be then delegated to the computer. And that's well, my problem. That's an interesting point, though. Does that, will the ability for us to automate so much of it change the way we look at work and we will meet less because everything will, like, we will realize at some point yeah. those things may become an email or writing or a doc you summarize in bullet points and we will do more of that as opposed to everything needs to be in person because that's how we used to work for the last 20 years or more. 
Um, I, I think it's a combination of both. It's gonna we're gonna do uh, it's gonna do things for us. Uh, like I give I give myself an example. I have like a, a knowledge base of all the scripts and spreadsheets and everything for all the clients. And sometimes it takes me a while to go and find what I what I did two years ago. Uh, so yeah. having that quick access to that information through through Copilot or through AI that okay, get me what I did or this is what I'm looking for is gonna bring that the productivity much higher. Uh, maybe from a consultant revenue perspective, it will be quicker revenue and higher revenue. Uh, but uh, to go back into the way we used to do it in the office, I don't see it. It's it's difficult to predict that five years from now what's going to happen in the world, but uh, yeah. it, it is going to give us more access and quicker access to things than we had. One thing and I have to share from my last week, uh, which a prediction on the future. So, you know, this four weeks, four day working week, um, that's really old school. So last week I had two working days off. So which is basically two weekends in one week. That was brilliant. Just saying. Just saying. Mm -hmm. So okay. let's for have promote our for, work four... <laughs> for our work week. For our work. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> Tim Ferriss, right? Yeah. I like that. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It, that would be boring. The thing is, when you like what you're doing, it's you know, it's it's there's there's a lot of ideas, and then maybe you would anyway do the things as a hobby in some of the things. Of course, you maybe you shouldn't wouldn't be choosing the most complicated migration projects in that case, but you would still do some of the stuff as a hobby. So, but yeah. Anyway, I think we need to wrap up. Um, Mike, yes. anything interesting happening for you within upcoming week? Uh, topics where you're focusing on, or are you traveling conferences? Anything interesting happening? Two, two, two more conferences. Yeah, two, <laughs> two more conferences for wrapping up the year. Uh, one <laughs> yes. in, in Minneapolis. Uh, just talking about, I'm um, just focus a lot on syntax and, and Power Platform oh. integration between both of them. So I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, so just uh, the last, Typically, four or five weeks of the year, things from deliverables start to slow down because of the holidays. This is my time to catch up on on new features, things that I've missed. I could not really go and try and do and listen to. So yeah, we'll give is, you one is. more shot at it. We'll, we will throw a little bit into it because in a week, there will be Ignite. That's true. So we will have yet another pool of announcements for you to catch up <laughs> exactly. so that you won't be bored. Okay. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Ignite is one of the key highlights on, on every year that we are always look to to hear what the announcements, uh, yeah. you know, what, even from an MVP perspective, we, there's always few things that we don't know. So we always look forward for all the announcements and the roadmap for the next next year for Microsoft. So this is always a key highlight for us. Yep. Cool. Anything interesting while on your table? Uh, I think we talked about it just yesterday because today we're yes, recording we on November 7th, yes. Tuesday. So it's still yeah. very much the it's same. The uh, same. Creating, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, creating new content for Learn to help folks uh, learn some of new uh, cool tech that we will ship uh, shortly. We're working on new, new improvements for uh, the Microsoft 365 Developer Proxy. And just today, we merged a PR. Like a few weeks back, we did, did an announcement that we are stopping investments in the search API for SharePoint and OneDrive yep. in favor of uh, Microsoft Search API, so Microsoft Graph. We just shipped APR that's going to help you find out where in your code or if you use these older APIs in your code so that you know about them and you can upgrade them to, take, to uh, get the benefits of the new investment. So that PR went in today, which means that we will have a new preview release coming soon with that thing for you to try. And then other than that, 
Um, top of mind, three, two, one. No, I think that that will be. I think you have ESPC. one thing to announce, e- ESPC, but that is that is in two weeks, so that is still yep. on my to do list. <laughs> but there, there is, but there is a one announcement that probably you will share that will cause some work on my end too. So. Uh, Over true. So SharePoint Framework 1.18.1 version for developers went live actually today, uh, 30 minutes before we started recording this one. Uh, so which is good. Uh, early people in waking up super early in Redmond. So they click the button and we cut it out uh, right at this moment of the time because it's now 6.35 in Redmond AM. So that's really early when they're waking up or some mm-hmm. of them, some of them. So. But, uh, and, and of course, the ESPC, European SharePoint Conference is coming, which is not just about SharePoint, it's all about Microsoft 365. So that's going to be interesting. And looking forward on that, uh, a lot of my colleagues from Redmond are flying over as well. So it should be good. should be really okay. good. It would be actually cool to see these folks here as opposed to always seeing them. Fly over, there. exactly. That yeah. is true. That's true. That exactly. is true. Everybody's coming to me on, on my turf. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> True. And I got the MVP, the MVP Summit travel confirmed, which is good. So I'll be Woo-hoo! in MVP Summit next uh, next year. Awesome. Like you, Mike, probably as well, because it's a yes, small, be small, small jump for you uh, to the Redmond. But anyway, uh, I think that's it for now. So thank you, Mike, for joining uh, on the PMP Weekly. Went a bit long again, and that's on us. Uh, we cannot <laughs> control the, the, the schedule. <laughs> but there were so many good discussion points. <laughs> Just got started. We'll get you uh, invited on the show uh, again later uh, within you know a certain time frame, and we'll we'll see how the world has changed during that time frame. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. And thank you, Mike. Within the show, we'll jump on the weekly articles to go through what has happened uh, in here. But thank you, Mike. One more time. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Excellent. Thank you, Mike, one more time uh, on the great interview. Uh, good to catch up as well. Uh, it took a while for us to get that one scheduled. It moved a while thing, so it's, it's just good to finally get it completed. <laughs> it's us. Yes. It's always us. Yes, it's always us. Anyway, let's then jump on the weekly articles. Uh, we did spend quite a lot of time on the discussion, which is good. The interview is the main thing, but we want to also cover some of the weekly articles. So let me click this one so we can actually see the weekly articles uh, in the screen. Yes, uh, producer, pro- what is it, director, whatever. Yes. So um, so let's start with a, a lot of the news to this week uh, from Microsoft side is about covering uh, what's been going to be covered in Ignite. So this week is going to be Ignite. I think starting from Wednesday, if I'm completely mis- not mistaken. Or is it tomorrow? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Or is it from Tuesday? I don't know. Let's double check that. Uh, but uh, a lot of other sessions uh, across the different technologies, across, across the different uh, extensibility point, end user point, atmospheric points, new features, new announcements. Uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff actually going to be announced in Ignite. So it's going to be interesting to see how people are uh, reacting on these things. A lot of the titles are pretty generic, like becoming an AI-powered organization, Microsoft Copilot. You can actually cover a lot of stuff on that, right? So, or the extent Microsoft traces for Copilot with your line of business uh, apps and data. Okay, so we covered the options and all of that. Uh, Rabia is there as well uh, from your team, uh, which were up on all of that. So a lot of, lot of great content uh, across the board uh, within Ignite. Now, uh, we also had a uh, update or, or an, well, not an update, but announcement related on Meet application uh, in the Microsoft Teams. This is actually pretty cool. Uh, so technically, uh, the Meet application is a application, kind of put the audio away, uh, an application where you can go and you find all of the latest and greatest around your meetings, including uh, upcoming meetings and also past meetings, recordings, all of that stuff. So you basically have a one centralized view 
as a crude view for all of the things what is happening. Uh, rescheduling, uh, send reminders, all of that stuff, as you can see under here, and, and okay. definitely the meeting summaries as well from the past. So that is I actually- I can see it in my cool. teams too. So I haven't explored it, so I definitely will. Definitely will check, yes. check out because my calendar is full of things. So yes, it will be interesting exactly. to see how that helps me stay, stay, stay organized. Absolutely, absolutely. Really, really cool stuff. Good, good. Uh, I will post that one. Uh, let's move in here. Introducing app ratings and reviews in Microsoft Teams, a new way to engage with your users. Now, we have been having ratings in the app source for quite a few years, um, but you have not been able to actually provide those ratings directly within the Microsoft Teams, and that is the new thing in here. Uh, it's a bit of a complex thing when I think about it. So we have the app source, and then we have the Office Store, and then we have the, the Microsoft Teams Store and all of that, but it, it is actually the same data. So if you go to appsource.microsoft.com, you can see the same listing as within the Microsoft Teams, specific listing in the Microsoft Teams or within the SharePoint, SharePoint listing, Office, Office listing, but it's it's the same offerings. And now you can actually provide then surveys and input uh, directly within the Microsoft Teams, which is good. So mm. getting that insights uh, back for the ISVs. Now, again, Ignite sessions, Ignite sessions, Ignite sessions, 14 to 17. It starts on Tuesday then, okay, cool to know. Um, so uh, on Viva site, four sessions which are being explicitly mentioned. Uh, and so, and there's a what's new in Microsoft Viva, a lot of stuff, obviously, but there's so many modules nowadays in Microsoft Viva. It's good that we're covering them across the board within Ignite. Now, this is actually really interesting. There was an interesting question around this one. So the new web cards available in SharePoint Web UI kit. What is a Waldeck UI kit? What is your first impression? SharePoint Web UI kit, that, these are Figma files that I can use to build a mock UI that I will that show is to correct. customers. That is correct. Now, the interesting question, what I got from LinkedIn related on this one was that, okay, so does this mean that in the future I can just export my designs in a Figma and then that will be the code within SharePoint? The answer is no, 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 no. That would be kind of cool. Absolutely, but the answer is no. So these are design assets uh, and these are out are of the box we, web parts. Are we working or is the community working by any chance on converting Figma to PNP templates, provisioning templates? Mm, no, that would be an interesting thing potentially because, as because well. Because tech is there already. Tech is there. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That's true. If you because want to in, in get involved in community and provisioning <laughs> and you work in Figma, this sounds yes. like a great opportunity to help everybody in the world. True, <laughs> true. So you would design the page within a, within the, the, the Figma, Figma with SharePoint yeah. Web UI kits, and then you say export and poof, and then yeah, potentially. Provisioning template. Definitely doable technology. Unfortunately, the other source thing, out of the box templating does not yet at least support the base level configuration. So you cannot actually use that, but good point, good question understandable um next and um, but no i'm just watching the comment here i'm confused this web parts appear to me my internet i can use the out of the box why do i need to download the figma sharepoint web ui kit you don't have to no 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 this is for designers who are designing the experiences so as an end user don't worry exactly. about it not not necessarily if you. you want to run envisioning workshop with a customer and you want to show them correct. what they could do without assembling an actual page correct. you can do that correct correct now technically using a real page is more efficient because then you can track and drop and do options and all of that but again so there's a there's multiple ways of doing this uh, exercise for sure yeah. 
Now on the, the SharePoint block also, we updated the most widely used SharePoint uh, framework ISVs from the store October 2023 edition. So this includes uh, any SharePoint framework powered solution in Microsoft 365 um, and those tip, uh, top 10 providers with most usage uh, from the store. Um, and it's cool to say actually usage from the store is also increasing all the time quite uh, dramatically. So cool to see the growth uh, on that side. Um, Ignite 2023 uh, for Microsoft 365 admins. Uh, some of the same sessions being mentioned here as well, but basically it's just summarizing uh, all of the admin-focused sessions. Uh, weekly looking on the list of things, good, good list of things. Uh, some of them are roundtables, some of them are discussions, and some of them are truly admin, some of them are truly uh, developer stuff. Then there are sessions which we cannot actually yet go to the details what they contain, because there's going to be cool announcements in Ignite as well. Um, now, refreshing meeting details in OneNote on Windows. This is actually kind of interesting. I, I, I prefer OneNote, so I use OneNote as my the thing uh, where I'm taking notes. And whenever I need to write anything in text, I just copy that to OneNote. And then I have a years and years worth of weekly you know, page for every single week, which has all of the tweets, all of the things, all of the things that I've done as an archiving. Uh, technology. Cool. Uh, but also for meetings, you can actually now easily then get the meeting notes and details uh, directly within OneNote. Um, and that's really, really convenient uh, option um, if you use OneNote for these kind of things. Cool. Uh, then we have we moved to the developer side of the Microsoft 365. So send the Microsoft Teams activity notification without app manifest changes. So that's uh, Teams activity notifications. It's a big focus area and uh, getting, getting more options there is great. I'm just realizing that I'm throwing myself on the hand. So that's really smart. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so famous, I wrote autograph on my hand. Yeah. <laughs> for myself. There you go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> then we had a SharePoint Framework 1.18.1 uh, uh, release. This is a really minor update. It actually has a one additional capability uh, within it, uh, which is around supporting the theming options within a Microsoft Teams also for your connection. So a relevant thing for mobile, for sure. Um, and we didn't want to wait until 1.19 to get it out. Yeah, so perfect. Technically, perfect. let's get it out. It's way yeah, for totally. you. So. Uh, and then there was an update related, or you uh, wrote a blog post related on, okay, custom craft connectors. How do I get started? Exactly, right? So because the last few weeks we talked about them a lot, or I talked about them a lot, right? Like what they are, what benefits they give you, what problems they solve. And then kind of we arrived to the point where, okay, now I know what they are and what are we using for. How do I build one? Well, this is the yep. answer to that question along with a link to a sample that, that, that you can use to download the code, press F5 and see it in action. Because in the end, that's really the best way to learn code, to see it in action in your own environment. Go step through the code, how it works. And the cool thing is this sample is simple. It's meant, meant to be. It's not a code that you would run in production, but it's the yep. first step to really help you understand the concepts, the key parts of it. And then if you really want to get into, okay, so how would I build on one in production? Guess what? We have an example for that too. Yep. So definitely check out the article and check out the link to the samples. Yep, really, really cool stuff as well. And the good thing to call out always in here is that the Microsoft Craft Connectors is also the extensibility model for Microsoft 365 Copilot. So you can get your own business data or whatever data you want uh, directly in the flow of the Copilot as well. So you can start asking questions from the Copilot around, hey, what about this stuff? And exactly. So yeah, and it's also cool. the solution is this interesting thing that even though you might not be using Copilot yet, 
if you are a partner and you think about, okay, so how do I prep? How do I keep my uh, skills up to date so that I, you know, I go with the wave of interest and customers? Well, th this is like, this is technology that you will need to sure. think about these things, right? Because at some point, Copilot will be used more and more and more and people will be just, okay, so now that's cool that it's got access to everything in Microsoft 365, how do I give it access to everything else so that it, it, it's got the ability to reason over all info that I've got and not just the files Correct. and whatnot. Correct. Correct. And it's good to think through this implementation because again, Copilot is as powerful as the data what you feed the Copilot yeah. to. So uh, it's, it's, it's actually, it seems to be, well, I'm going to take a quick detour, but it's interesting to see still every now and then we had the discussion that why Copilot can just, we don't need these kind of things and we don't need documentation. Copilot is going to write about that. And it's like, but how, how can it write about that? Somewhere. If you don't have the source material, you need to explain the AI the topic and the thing it doesn't come off with the stuff out of blue out of thin air so that just doesn't matter and the whole large language models and ai it's all based on the validated source data which by the way then impacts biases and and all of that stuff because we need to make sure that the source data is you know uh, diverse enough correct so and authoritative an yes exactly yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah 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 but you need to have the source data you cannot come yeah. off with a <laughs> facts well, why can't we have ai write the source data for itself huh. <laughs> that will not work out that well so <laughs> But I understand what well, now related on that one because there's such a huge buzz around, around AI. So this, of course, the logical thinking is that well, we don't need any more technical writers or developers. We'll just make the AI to create all of this for us. Which is like, yeah, based on what? What? How it would? How would it know? <laughs> Stop asking the difficult questions, Dessa. Yes. <laughs> ah. Why do we need SDKs? Because craft, because AI can do all of this. Now, generate Taylor Python and PHP API for any API with Kyoda. Um, Kyoda is the, the really, really cool uh, tooling which will able to create an SDK from any API. Uh, and that's actually really, really cool. So it's basically reading the API de definitions and then creates a efficient uh, wrapper on top of that API. It's super cool implementation. So awesome, awesome stuff on that. Test and debug securely with dev tunnels. What are dev tunnels? Dev tunnels is basically the same thing as, you know, like um, Angrok. So imagine you build API lo locally and you want that API to receive a webhook from something like, like Teams. Well, Teams uh, in the cloud cannot call the local host because like lo lo local host in the cloud would be something else, right? So it has a, it needs a way for your local uh, box to be exposed to internet. And yep. that is kind of where a tunnel comes in so that you get a publicly resolvable address, a tunnel that exposes the local APIs, the local server that you've got on your box to internet so that it can be called from things like, like I think probably the webhooks is the most co 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 common uh, need for this. And also yep. another one, one is pro probably bots, which is kind of another thing where there is service calling an endpoint and that endpoint needs to be on internet because service is, in a cloud, it's not a local box too, so. Yep, absolutely. We we might have, uh, to be fair, I'm just thinking here completely irrelevant things, but why did we name this just as dev tunnels? It's so generic. It's like, oh, what, what? <laughs> you know, it's hard it's, it's, to for. 
it's a self-descriptive name. It's exactly it, what it I, is. It's I get that, it's but a in a, in a larger world where it's not just about the Microsoft technology, dev tunnels doesn't define where it can be actually used and where what is the, the context. Whatever you and... need it. Where do you need a dev tunnel? <laughs> that, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> that is fair. But it's pretty generic, but it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> Um, now, uh, moving on on the new things, so we had a PHP SDK version 2 coming out uh, from the uh, Microsoft Craft team, so a really, really cool uh, work there as well. Uh, so public preview was already available since uh, July, and now it's actually as a GA version of that SDK, making it easier to write Microsoft Craft-based solutions. And there was also an update on the item insights admin setting path and scope chains in Microsoft Craft. So this is a basically a breaking change uh, in the V1 endpoint. Not a no. It's in a beta. It's in a beta. Yeah, no, 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 no. You heard it wrong. No breaking changes. No breaking changes. Even though it says on the page, it is a breaking change. It is a breaking change. It's yeah, a breaking but it's a beta, the, so the beta yes, yeah, so. yes, exactly. It's not really a breaking change. So it's <laughs> not a public GA version of the endpoint. Yes. So betas are being used so that we're able to adjust and get the feedback and then adjust the, the exactly. implementation before it goes to the V1. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a an availability uh, of Outlook rich notifications in Microsoft Craft. Uh, so basically, you can do notifications in Outlook using the Craft endpoint. Correct. Which is actually really, really good. Uh, so we don't have to fall back on a classic API surface. You want to use, of, of course, the Craft API surface, which is the right way to do these things. So definitely. Yeah. And it's just so much easier to have one endpoint across all of the Microsoft 100%. as opposed to Absolutely. you get endpoint for this, endpoint for that, and they all yeah. are structured differently, work yes. differently, need different clients, different auths. And it's like, no, like let's let's make things easier. Yes, definitely, definitely. Now, then we have two tweets uh, which we wanted to call out. So Shao Mendes had a really really cool uh, implementation uh, around a sales order app, which shows how to use Microsoft Craft Connector as a data source. It will be available in the developer uh, in the web parts SPFX web parts pretty soon. This is built using Teams Toolkit uh, and a Craft uh, Connector as a starting point. Now. Is the Teams Toolkit SPFX solution connecting the Craft Connector? No, that's not how it works. We use the Craft Connector to feed the data, and then we're using Search to actually search the information. Correct, correct, correct. But it's kind of the end-to-end -end thing Overall, where you've got absolutely. the source, connectors bring it to Search, and then you connect to Search. But it's absolutely. Like, I don't know the way he does it, but I, it it reminds me of the the person in the past. I don't I. I don't know the name, you know, like who would touch everything, was it King Midas, like who touched Midas, everything yeah. and it turns in, into gold. Yep. yep. These designs are like every single one he makes. It's just like, yep, spot on, brilliant. That yep. looks awesome, like ship it. That's it's true. Production ready things that looks look awesome, you know, like, yeah, really, really cool. Great work, Shao. Really, really cool work. And there's just, they look so good. <laughs> yeah, teaching master. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Now, the other thing what we wanted to call out is is Paul Bullock is leading the effort around PMP script samples, and this is a great set of uh, samples. This is just an example from Nandit Nakhan, uh, related on sharing his sample in here. I think we are starting to have a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of these script samples available uh, in the PMP script sample section. Um, 
you can actually search by tools, search by functionality, search by script, uh, so you can basically go, what are you trying to achieve? Or in quotes, product, uh, you can filter based on uh, graph, based on Azure AD, based on to-do and so on. No to-do. Uh, but you can actually have multiple different uh, filtering mechanisms and you can find the relevant sample for you. Um, we all know how many script, PowerShell scripts and all of that we've been writing in the past or CLI scripts we've been writing in the past. Uh, CLI scripts? I think the right CLI scripts. Select all the delete, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of actually CLI scripts as an example here as well. Um, yeah. And then you can easily do automations using whatever is a chosen thing. And having a centralized location for this is awesome. Now, related on that one, uh, we'll actually jump on the sample gallery in a second to see what's there. Uh, but that obviously these samples are also exposed not only in here, but they're also exposed in the sample gallery. So thank you, Nandeep, on the latest contributions here as well. A lot of new stuff here as well. And Casper, Rashmi, and Rashmi, and Tatsuya, and Joshua, yep. and Casper, and Rashmi. <laughs> now, on the BMP uh, Tech Bytes, uh, there was a, a new video on user assigned managed identities uh, in the Azure AD identity security important things. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Paolo, for pushing and updating uh, people on how these things actually are working. Uh, three uh, less than four minutes video uh, related on this that is particular really cool. this topic. Is really, so that's really, really, cool. really, really cool. identities are so cool thing where you can connect to something without having to store credentials or secrets or certificates anywhere. So this is really great thing you should definitely know know about. Absolutely. Uh, then uh, April Dunham had a Zero Copilot Chronicle series uh, continuous with an AI ethics and, uh, in the spotlight and navigating Copilot responsibly. This comes back on something that's a bit touched on the previous discussion. So uh, the bias, typically the AI bias is caused by the source data and the source data might be focused on certain specific areas more than others and therefore the AI basically balances its focus area on, on certain things. So as an example, if you feed it with a car data and most of the car data you feed the AI to is about Ferrari, then the Ferrari will be the chosen one. Uh, so that's how it works. Exactly. And the th same things, you know, about uh, pro profession, like all firemen are men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like things like that. So we I, I try to be more neutral that. example, but yeah, definitely yeah, but like, that yes. is a valid example. <laughs> yeah. Like just making, yes. you know, a clear example, not promote any brands, but like, correct. you know, there are, there are many, you know, things that are, way way ingrained and that's not the reality anymore and we need want yes. to we need to ensure that ai is free from all of that yes yes and di and the source material has to be uh, diverse enough which is by the way one of the key challenges in the ai training because uh, we typically use the same set of data in the baseline training of the ai uh, or like in the case of OpenAI, then we're using internet, uh, and that's not Ooh. necessarily always, you know, factually correct. Uh, so um... <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> always factually. Like these are all, you know, like four words that don't belong in a sentence <laughs> regarding the, the internet. True. True. <laughs> But yeah, super, super important topic. And it's actually really good to know about these challenges. It's not like the AI intentionally tries to push certain things. No, no, again, it comes from the source data. Source data has to yeah. be diverse enough and, and uh, good enough to be able to AI to figure out what yeah, is the right answers. As you know, with anything you can train, the way you, what you put in, you get out. It's yes, no absolutely. different than that. 
Absolutely. It doesn't come up out of something and out of thin what? air. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't? doesn't? doesn't. No. It's magic. Now, uh, on the Shane's blog, uh, video, video site, not blog, video site, there was a, a nice video related on advanced forms. And that is a pretty advanced looking form uh, in the Power Apps. So multiple, multiple selections and a multi-select, what is it? Many to one. One to, know, writers, one to many relationships, exactly, and all of that. So, how would you implement those things? Twenty-one minute video focused on on those implementation. So, cool, good. And then we wanted to do a quick look on the what are the latest samples in here. Uh, so uh, we can actually the Casper sample. I think this is the script sample, and that was the Rashmi's uh, script sample. No, da, 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 da. yeah, no. This no, is this, is this, this is, is content. This is This is actually web part. That is true. Yeah, there you go. It yeah. only proves it only proves the point that there are many many samples submitted by community Microsoft employees all towards. And I don't know how many do we have now. I think like seventeen hundred plus. Seventeen hundred forty-seven total results. Yeah, uh, there and, you go. And that number goes up every single day. It's right, really insane right. to see. This is this is probably the best source of if you have a customer demo. If you want to see what's pop up up up. Uh, possible on Microsoft 365, there is no yep. better place for you to see because there's a bunch of, of examples that show you that across the board, whether that's SharePoint framework, web parts, teams, apps, message extensions, graph connectors, scripts, you name it, it's yep. in there, right? Yep. And we just got, as an example, all of the Microsoft Teams toolkit samples listed here as well, which is really, yeah. really cool. Um, and we can filter them in a multiple selection. Now, of course, if you select Teams, you will get the same samples as well. If you select the graph, you will get all of the graph samples, but you can drill in more detail to the graph connectors and all of that. Yeah. So it is actually, it's working really nicely. So definitely uh, good to see this one at this level. And I love the fact that we finally have this Cross organizations, people want to have their samples in here, which is brilliant. Excellent. And community too, right? Because at the Correct. end of the day, what Correct. is it that everyone like? You want people to be able to find this, and you want yes. it to be a single place where you where we've got everything, and you've got filters, and you can uh, find things as opposed to it's in one obscure repo somewhere else, and yep. you need to basically to know that it's there, right? Absolutely, 100%. And you also have your personal view on all of the samples what you provided. So as an, as an example, Rashmi has provided so many samples oh, related on things. So you know thank what you we should that. include there or think about it, like sponsorship or buy coffee or something else, because it would That's be really good point. for, you know, to recognize these folks and like, hey, like, I really appreciate, like, you build something I can use in my work. Here is something. Absolutely, absolutely, it's really, really cool. Now, uh, I guess we we already went through what's happening this week uh, as a quick summary with Mike. Ignite, uh, so this week is uh, Ignite. Ignite. Ignite, and then one week in between, and then ESPC right after that. Um, and then I guess it's safe to say that we're heading a bit slower time period, finally. Uh, I think we're peaking on the ESPC curve, and then a bit, bit of my course you need to deliver and planning and all of that i know maybe that's mine <laughs> <laughs> but but people are already starting to talk about you know holiday season coming up uh it's going to be slowing down is it is it really is it is it is it not here <laughs> yes depends on the organization and depends on a a country and a geography yes exactly depends exactly. on everything exactly i will actually do that one is no i'm 
because no. it's really important to have this right, like in the last minute of the call. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> scroll. What happens if I click here? Whoa. Scroll. Where? Where's scroll? Oh, scroll, <laughs> not scroll. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, cool. But thanks everybody for uh, joining. Thank you, Mike, uh, for joining on the discussion. Uh, and and um, thanks everybody for watching and listening. And please use hashtag PMP Weekly uh, when you are sharing something. And we'll we'll find your uh, articles and samples and videos more efficiently. Uh, or add a comment within your video uh, tweet with the hashtag PMP Weekly so we can actually find it. Um, if you don't want to put it in the you know the primary promotion, uh, helps us to find the relevant content for you. Um, what else? What else, Walter? Next week, we'll be back probably with recap from Ignite. That is true. Yes, that's actually a good point. There's going to be a lot of announcement this week. So that's going to be an interesting and I hope to see how many articles. We will get the personal opinions on the Ignite announcement from everybody in community. Correct, in ESPC. That would be really yes. great. Yes. That would be that's really good. great to hear from all of you folks. What do you think? Did you like it, not like it? Where do you see opportunities yep. or not? Or yep. your opinions, feelings, anything? That would be really Absolutely. interesting to learn. Absolutely. And that's why we are in ESPC as well. We can hear the feedback. we we'll have a discussion. So please come to talk with us um, within a few weeks in Amsterdam, So which is really cool. But I think that's it. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Waldek. Thanks, everybody, for watching, listening. We'll be in touch. See ya.